Good afternoon, Jack Riccardi. Welcome to the Jack Riccardi Show on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Glad you're here. You can join into the show at 210. Join in. You can join the show. 210-599-5555. Somebody, I forget who, uh, once said, I thought this was really smart, that the problem with the Republican Party is that most of the time it's doing what the Democrats want it to do and doesn't know it. Did I say that right? Most of the time the Republican Party is doing what the Democratic Party wants it to do, only the Republicans don't know it. And could that be what's happening now, do you think? Are the Republicans doing, moving, reacting to events in a way that will ultimately be advantageous to their opponents? I mean, they don't think so. No, you, you never do, right? So one of the big headlines today, and I'm sure you didn't fall out of your chair when you heard this, is that Speaker Kevin McCarthy is directing the um, commit relevant committees in Congress to gather facts and prepare for a possible impeachment of President Biden. What do you think about that? I mean, there's no, there's no dearth of evidence on which you could base an impeachment. It's actually hard to decide where to begin with the Biden presidency. I mean, do you, do you begin with the apparent uh, pay-to-play and monies being hoovered up by Hunter? Do you start with... Um, the various uh, treacherous or treacherously incompetent decisions and policies and actions? Do you uh, go at it from the standpoint of he's not capable? Do you go at it from the standpoint of, um, I mean, it, it, the, the, there's no there's no shortage of, of Starting points, there's no shortage of potential uh, evidence. And then if you go f- forward with impeachment, you know that usually impeachment is pretty much party line. So you might have enough votes in the House, but you would not have nearly enough votes in the Senate. So you're going to start something that will end with the president being acquitted uh, of the charges. When Trump was acquitted of the charges by the Senate, he went around the country bragging about how he had been acquitted. He had, he had defeated impeachment. And that ramped up his base, who felt that they were part of a defiant presidency, a guy that doesn't take any guff. Do you want to give Biden the chance in X number of months to go around the country saying, I defeated impeachment. They threw their worst at me. They have nothing. They have nothing on me. They can't prove a thing. That's what Democrats are already saying today. 
on the off chance that you did impeach him, you'd be making Kamala Harris president. I'm having a hard time seeing the um, upside of that. I mean, look, the way things are going right now, Joe Biden is in Jimmy Carter territory. And by that, I don't mean the good qualities of Jimmy Carter, like his morality and his sincerity. I mean the the wickedly unpopular, unbelievably low approval ratings. And Joe Biden is not only down there in the approval ratings basement, but his mental and physical decline is so rapid, so undeniable, that we're not arguing about whether or not it's there anymore. We're simply arguing about degrees. People in his own party don't think he should run. People in his own party want someone else. They've made it crystal clear. And his party may have to replace him. And anybody his party replaces him with will be harder to beat because they won't be him. Right now, and you can tell me what you think, I think any one of the leading Republicans would beat Joe Biden. I I think right now any one of them would beat him in the general election. I think there's four or five people you could nominate who who would beat him. Republicans are tearing themselves apart over which one of those people it should be, but actually I think any one of four or five would, would win. Democrats are not emotional about this stuff. They weren't emotional about Biden. They made a rational, dispassionate selection of Biden. I, I don't want to go over this too many times, but basically in the, in the 2020 primaries, Biden was getting pasted. He was way behind. He wasn't even in the top two or three. And they got uh, Jim Clyburn in South Carolina, who is the, the, the kingpin of South Carolina politics. He's the ranking House uh, Democrat from basically from the South. He, he endorses Joe Biden. He swings the African-American vote and, and particularly the African-American women's vote over to Biden enough that Biden wins the South Carolina primary. That's, by the way, that's why they've rewarded South Carolina by now putting it first in the primary ranks for next year. So he he gets Joe a W, which Joe had not had up until this point. And remember what happened then. All of a sudden, Warren and Buttigieg and, and, and all these other contenders collapsed behind and endorsed Joe Biden. They'd been knocking him and mocking him and, and, and running hard against him and beating him up in the debates, but now all of a sudden he was the right man for the moment. That's how they do it in the Democratic Party. They, they hire a candidate. And that's what they'll do now. They just used Biden to front their radical agenda and if they have to plug in a different candidate to do that, they'll go to the hiring process. They won't have to explain why or justify it like you normally would because their media allies will cover for them and, you know, normalize it and make it okay. And so 
when you think about impeachment today and you think about the way the Republicans are running today, running against and focusing on Joe Biden is actually what I believe the Democrats want you to do. Oh, we just have this one unpopular guy. But our ideas are very popular. Our ideas work. We have great ideas that the American people want about things like abortion and energy and education and race. So fine, if you don't like our president, we'll give you another one. The Republicans need to be running on the simple fact that no normal person in any part of the country, no normal person wants to live under their rules. No one wants to live under their economics policy, their energy, their children, their race, their education, their rule of law, their defund the police. No normal person wants out-of-control immigration. And no one chooses to live that way, the way the progressives are insisting we live. No normal person chooses to live that way. There are some weirdos that want to live that way, and, and you can't have their vote, and you'll never have their vote. But Republicans need to run on the idea that no normal person would embrace these ideas and ever has. And that's what you run against. You run against how crazy they are. You run against how out of the mainstream they are. You run on the idea that these ideas aren't working in the places where they exist and won't work if implemented in your town, your state, your community, your life. Biden could be off the board at any moment. It may not take impeachment. It probably won't. Running against him is totally the wrong thing to do. Running against progressivism, running against these radical, bonkers, people can't believe stuff is... I mean, every day we see things happening we cannot believe are real. That's not him. He's not spearheading that. These aren't his ideas. He's just a symptom of them. Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. The governor of New Mexico got a pretty hard time on CNN. I want to play this for you. Um, We talked about this yesterday. As you know, she issued a 30-day ban on Friday on uh, the open and concealed carrying of guns in Albuquerque and surrounding county. I forget the name of the county. She cited uh, a spate of gun violence episodes, particularly against children. She did so without any justification or explanation for how she could suspend rule of law. And she did so very emotionally. She... She made it as if, she, she, she announced it as if you have to do these things, you have to suspend rule of law, you have to assume powers not assigned to you or delegated to you because children are involved. And the CNN interviewer asks her, well, what about the Constitution? Cut number six. But we also have, Governor, the Constitution of, the, of New Mexico and the Constitution of the United States, and you're an attorney do you think you're on solid constitutional ground here? Well, um, we're going to see. I mean, look, I wouldn't do it if I didn't think I had the right. I have the but right. Where is the right? Where is the in right? In the state of New Mexico, public health, it's a suspension. It's not a ban.
And we'll see what all of these court actions do. Kind of a throwaway line. You're a lawyer. She says you're a lawyer. She is. She graduated from the University of New Mexico Law School. Um, It's not a small thing to me that she's a lawyer, that even gun control enthusiasts are telling her you can't do this. David Hogg is telling her you can't do this. You don't have the power to do it. Ted Lieu, the congressman from California, I support gun safety laws, but this order violates the U.S. Constitution. No state in the union can suspend the U.S. Constitution. But she's a lawyer. Why isn't she being disbarred? Um, I, I, I hope there is more than just resistance to her order. You talk about impeachment. This is someone who's term limited. She can't run again in 2026. This is somebody who should be removed from office by the most expedient, legal uh, path available to the New Mexico legislature, whatever that is. So then they ask her, well, if it can't be enforced, uh, why even do it? Cut number seven. We just heard from the sheriff. He joins the attorney general and others who say they won't enforce it. It's unconstitutional. Why do it if it can't be enforced? Well, that's their opinion. They have no bold actions. They don't have any plans for reducing gun violence. So you're allowed to do things just because they're bold. See, this is what we got from not holding a day of reckoning for all the 50 state tyrannies of COVID-19. Because there was no day of reckoning, because there was no reconciling, hey, what you did, you had no power to do, you had no right to do, you didn't justify it, you couldn't justify it. That's before we even get into the fact that it was ineffective and destructive. But because there was no having to answer for that, because they got away with it, you're going to see more and bolder examples of it. That's what this is. This is a direct outgrowth of that mentality. And Luan Grisham was big time into COVID emergencies and declarations uh, when that was the all the vogue. And then remember yesterday we brought this up, the CNN interviewer asks the same question we asked yesterday. What if it's a Republican governor and it's emergency order on abortion? Cut number eight. Are you overreaching? Let me give you a hypothetical, right? You're a Democratic governor who's doing this. What if a Republican governor of a state declares a health emergency and unilaterally um, outlaws abortion in that state where the legislature has not done so by statute? Following your logic, would that also be sound? Uh, in, in this situation, honestly, I don't think so, but... That is what's happening in this country. You know what I think, um, and I can't prove it, I I think she's going to run for president. And I think what she's going to say is, at least I did something no one else would do. Because I think she knows that this will get knocked down in its first exposure to a courtroom. She's getting her head knocked in on all sides. She's not even getting the support of the gun control community. So I'm thinking, and this is somebody who was on the short list for VP uh, for Joe Biden in 2020. 
by some accounts, she was in the top three or four names being considered for his running mate before he picked Kamala Harris. So I'm thinking this has no value to you. You're not going to enforce it. Your own police agencies are not enforcing it now. Uh, It'll get knocked down in the courts. You can try to reissue it, reword it, but you're going to lose on the law, but maybe you're trying to win on the emotion. It's a very. The more I've thought about it, the more I think it's a very emotional, um, showy, splashy uh, sort of gesture. And it's an attempt to connect with people viscerally and emotionally because there's no logic to it at all. And it's not being, obviously not, not being enforced, hence uh, it's not going to have any force. Tell me what you think about that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about impeachment and Biden. And we got a new JR poll and your calls at 210-599-5555. I'm not, uh, I, I'm not against impeachment. I just think it's not the highest priority. And you got to think through what you're doing with it. Um, and, and really, ultimately, you've got to think through how do we take the country in a different direction away from this wild, whacked-out, progressive nonsense that, that, that no, no normal person can tolerate or would choose. And whatever gets you away from that and leads you away from that is what you want to do. Um, and I, I think the whole orientation of the Republicans is just too much around Biden. He's, he's, not, he's not the defining figure for any of this. He's just the figurehead. Once you see that, you realize he's not really where the fight is. But James is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. James, good afternoon. Hey, Jack. Um, Listen, my opinion, and it's just my opinion, of course, um, I think that Republicans should do both and need to do both. Uh, Go for it with impeachment for this reason or one of the reasons. We know that the uh, Justice Department's not going to expose anything, even though they have the evidence. The media's not going to do it. They may be aware of it, probably are. If the House doesn't do it to expose it, um, indictment inside in the Senate, that's not going to happen. Nobody's going to expose it. I can't see this mm-hmm. man skating for all the things he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, they're two separate issues, in my opinion, and they need to hammer them both. Whether they can do that or not, we know the Republicans have a hard time walking and chewing gum. Well, when but you say you I can't think, see him skating, when, when you say you can't see yeah. him skating, James, I mean, the math says, of course he'll skate. Uh, well, there's, there's, there's too many Democrats uh, not, for him not to skate. Like, and when he skates, then they will say he was found innocent. Uh, okay, they did the same thing to Trump. They had nothing on Trump. They couldn't make it stick. Mm-hmm. they the House, supposedly, if we can believe what they say, they have the goods. And so it's going to be a different ball game, in my opinion. I think if the So you the believe that when they, they have, show the... Yeah. Okay, James, when you, you, you believe... I just want to understand this. I'm not arguing with you. Sure, you believe sure, when I'm Democrats sure. are shown concrete evidence that Joe Biden was crooked, they will override their party loyalty and vote to impeach him. It's a very long shot, but I think from all okay. the things that I feel like he's done, if, if, the, if the information's out there to the public, the heat is going to be so high on the senators, mm-hmm. the Democrats in the Senate. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, okay. I, I'm with you. It's probably not going to happen, but I think, I think they need to give it a shot.
if nothing mm-hmm. else to expose everything he's done uh that'll okay. be one thing That's all right just how james I, I appreciate it sir thank you thank you for the call james says th- you gotta get the evidence out you, you've got to have the trial when you have the trial the truth will weigh on these democrats i i, I didn't press him as to which democrats i i'm trying to think of you know, maybe a Joe Manchin, maybe a Kirsten Cinema. You'd need like I don't do I didn't do the math before the show, but I mean I think you'd need probably like a dozen Democratic senators. You'd need all the Republicans. You'd need all the wobbly, I don't want to do this, please don't make me do this, Republicans. But then you'd need like a dozen or more Democratic senators. Do you agree with James? Just the evidence is gonna shame them? force their hand into doing it? Do you believe that? Uh, you can jump in at 210-599-5555. All right, let me uh, clarify the math. There's 51 Democrats in the Senate. There's 48 Republicans. So by the two-thirds rule for impeachment in the Senate, it's a, it's a bare majority or a basic majority in the House, but it's a two-thirds majority in the Senate to impeach. You would need 16 uh no, wait a minute, I didn't do that right. <laughs> you would need you would need 19, that's right. You would need 19 Democratic senators. Because if you had all 48 Republicans and you added 19, that would be 67, right? Yeah, okay. I told you, math is not my, that's not my strong suit. Um, I'm not the professor of anything, but I'm certainly not the professor of math. Um, so James says if you show 19 Democrats, the right 19 Democrats, the evidence on Biden... Uh, they'll they'll impeach him. I, I don't I don't think so. I, I, I that's how it's supposed to work. I I watched Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I, I I learned about Schoolhouse Rock like you did, but I just I don't think these are the people we have right now. We we don't have those kinds of people right now. I, I'll tell you something else about the Democrats. They're they're cold blooded. Th- they won't impeach Biden, but they will change him out. And if they think they need to, and I think they're starting to come to that conclusion, they will change him out. And the Republicans better be careful about this, because everything they're doing right now, all their rhetoric, all their efforts, are aimed at Biden. They're running not against a set of ideas and policies that are disastrous. They're running against this guy. And if the guy was the genesis of all these ideas, if he was the mastermind, if he was the the Karl Marx of this ideology, then I could see running against him. But he's not. He's he barely can articulate his own policies. He has only the the average person could explain these policies better than the president can. He can't do it. He stumbles, stutters, bumbles, and fumbles over it. It's they're not his. And if they change him out, that sort of we're, we're ready to defeat Biden thing is going to go out the window because anybody they replace him with, and I'm not going to get into the names, but, I mean, you know who the, the likely people are. You've heard the names. Those people will do better than Biden. They will be better candidates. They will be more articulate. They won't get lost on the stage. They will be able to make this stuff sound great. They believe in this stuff. The, the replacement for Biden will be a true-believing, far-left progressive. And that person will have no... They won't be telling crazy stories about stuff that didn't happen and people they never met, and Nelson Mandela and all that. They don't need that. 
They don't have corn pop. They will talk about these ideas in a more palatable way. They're still crazy ideas. So if you if you want to gamble that it's going to be Biden and it's all about Biden, then yeah, impeach him, run against him, talk about him every day, uh, convince yourself that more people need to know how awful and cro- crooked he is. But for my money, I think that's done. I think that's all done. I, I give the House Republicans a lot of credit. They've brought a lot of evidence forward. They've done a lot of investigating. Uh, to be honest, they did more than I thought they would. I didn't think McCarthy and these other guys would do as much as they've done or expose as much as they have. But I'm, I'm trying to save the country. I don't mean to sound melodramatic, but I, w- I want to save the country. I want to save Western civilization. And Biden's not the threat to it. These woke crazy, insane asylum policies and values are the threat to it. 210-599-5555. Do you you think we're just, it's just a question of reasoning with Democrats? Do you think, oh, no, Democrats will see the light, Jack. If you you show them that he's, he's compromised and he's taken money and he's, you know, he's putting Hunter on the plane and they're coming back with deals and they'll impeach him. Do you believe that? In order to believe that, you also would have to believe in a kind of um, humility. Because if you impeach the president of your own party, you know, if you, if you as a Democrat or as a Republican impeach the president of your own party, you are saying we put forward an unworthy candidate. We offered an unworthy person who should not have been president. We asked you to take our word. We asked you to listen to us. We asked you to trust us. You gave us the keys. You shouldn't have done that because we we came up with a person that wasn't worthy of that office. That's a very big gesture. There are not a lot of people who can climb down from their political positions gracefully. There's far fewer of them that are politicians. It's it's one thing when you've got some distance from the person. I never liked him. I never supported him. I told you he was no good. But it's something else when you're in pictures with him, when you've got your arm around him, when he endorsed you, when you endorsed him when it calls into question your party, your party's identity, you've been defending him, you've been saying he's the necessary, essential, indispensable man, but now on second thought we found out about the Hunter money, eh, I just, I don't see that. We can argue about it. You know, James made his point, and I I respect that. What do you think? 210-599-5555. And, and, and again, I keep coming back to, okay, so if you got everything you wanted, with Biden, you get President Kamala Harris. Nobody wants that. Nobody's okay with that. Nobody thinks, well, we can, we can deal with that. We'll, we'll tolerate that. Nobody. I mean, I, I think there was more willingness when, they, when, the, when the Democrats were trying to impeach Trump I think there might have been more willingness to have Pence as president. <laughs> Not that they liked him or, or anything. They, they, they thought he was goofy. But, but there was probably more willingness 
to have a, a, a Pence presidency as a consequence of, of impeaching Trump, there's just nobody who wants a Harris presidency. And so to, to step back even a little further, is, is Biden really the focus? Should he be? And if it's ideas and ideology, not this empty vessel that's fronting them, then the, the, the campaigns, and, and, and I have to say, some of them are doing this, some of them are not, but the candidates and the campaigns should be about the ideology, here's how we have defeated it, here's how we will defeat it, here's how we're removing it from the schools, et cetera, et cetera. Because again, when you just talk about what's happening in the world with people, when you don't put names on it, labels on it, candidate names on it, you could be anywhere. You could be in a waiting room, you could be at work, you could be any, anywhere people are just kind of hanging out, chatting. Everybody thinks the world has gone crazy. Everybody thinks the country is, is in a dangerously off-kilter position. Weird, unwholesome things are going on with education, with race, with rule of law. People don't feel safe in their communities, whether their communities are far-left cities or far-right towns. That's the stuff to talk about. That's the, that's the meeting place. And that's what we have to start with because that's, that, that's how you save this culture, this country, this society. 210-599-5555. And I think that's how you contend in the election. I really do. I think part of what made DeSantis so uh, exciting for people, I know his poll numbers look low right now, and I don't know what's going to happen, but out of the gate when he became governor of Florida, he showed a willingness to engage against bad ideas, bad policies, bad ideas, wherever he found them, wherever they are, we're going after them, we're going to show that we can dismantle them, we're going to show that we can take down and replace insanity with sanity, and that's what drove him to the forefront of of Republican politics, because people wanted somebody that could get things done, not just define the problem or point to the problem. Joe is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Joe, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Uh, Thanks for taking the call. Um, Yeah, I've been alive a great many years and seen uh, our voting system uh, deteriorate just on and on and on. when I first started voting, there was no such thing as mail-ins, no such thing as early voting. Uh, we've always had uh, absentee ballots, but that's primary for military people overseas. Mm-hmm. Well, and until that problem that happened last in 2020 is corrected, and it has not been, mm-hmm. then I don't think it matters who the Republicans run. Mm-hmm. The I Democrats agree. could run Bozo the Clown and win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they know how to play that system, yeah. And you so know, then that's John why Hunter, that's why focusing on Biden and and impeaching Biden is just not going to get you there. No, it isn't. It really isn't. And Sean Hannity says, you know, that the Republicans ought to play the same game because it's legal and go through the neighborhoods and find people that can't read or write and fill out a mail-in ballot forms. But that's who, not the who right answer. That? That's not. Who? 
Who said that? Sean Hannity. Well, Who's that? he didn't say it in those words. Sean Hannity, the radio I'm guy. Just, I'm, just I'm just kidding. You're bringing up a competitor, Joe. Come on. Well, I know it. that, but but I he's know, supposedly... yeah, you do know that. I don't want to. I don't want. Yeah, I look. I I've said it too. I think Republicans ought to vote harvest, and they ought to go to the colleges, and they well, ought to they ought to do everything. They ought to do everything that's legal under the current rules. Now, I agree with yeah, the, with you uh-huh. that these rules shouldn't yeah. be in place, but they better learn how to use this system until and unless they're going to change it. I mean, that's just common well, sense. You can't sit may- there with your arms folded and say, "I refuse to play these games." Uh, and you all need to change the rules because the people that change the rules are benefiting from it. They're not going to change them. Joe, I appreciate the call. I was just giving you a hard time. Matt is on the radio. Matt, good afternoon. Yeah, I got a different kind of look on it. I think that Biden's kind of, uh, I think they're working on their way of getting him out already. And I think they've already started the prepping of uh, Mala Harris. And if you've seen some of the videos of her looking a little bit more professional, I think she's trying to fill her role or prove that she can do her role. And as for the impeachment, that would open subpoena power for them to bring them in against Hunter or use them for Hunter. So I don't know that they would do the impeachment. Mm. You kind of lost me somewhere there, Matt. Who who will not do the impeachment? Oh, oh, the Democrats. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't think the Democrats would allow the impeachment to go through just because that would open that subpoena power for Congress no. so they can get them in there to answer questions. But if they, they want to get rid of Biden, would, but you say they want to get rid of Biden, but they don't want to they, impeach Biden. Right. But okay. I think if they take him out, you know, softly, you know, hey, he's, uh-huh. something happened or whatever, you know. But I kind of think that they want him out of office. No. No. I think they want him out, but I think they want to do it in a way that makes them look good. If he's out exactly. in a in a in a exactly. if he's out because there's a cloud of criminal, you know, criminality over him, exactly. that doesn't make them look good. He he they chose him. He's their guy. They they got to make this look like he did the right thing for the country, and this was a statesmanlike thing to do. Fully agree with you. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm getting a lot, thank you, Matt. I'm getting a lot of emails from people that, that think, no, Jack, the Re- Republicans, um, and the Democrats will work together on this. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of amazed. A lot of people think Democrats will go along with this in sufficient numbers because they also want Biden out. Now, I, I, I think that's half true, but you're talking about the difference between replacing him and impeaching him. The difference between going to him and saying, you've got to step aside and we'll honor you and we'll throw bouquets at you versus you're going to go down in history as an impeached, felonious president, worse than Trump. I, people are telling me they believe that will happen. Democrats will do that. Got a few emails like this one from Katie. I believe the Democrats want to get rid of Biden, and impeachment could be a way out. They have a few Democratic senators to flip in favor to give them the 67. Well, it would be 19, Katie, not not a few. They would have a few Democratic senators flip in favor to give them the 67 they need and say, sorry, Joe, you've got to go, and Kamala steps in and maybe chooses Newsom as VP, and Democrats get to say the GOP forced their hand. Democrats win all around writes Katie. Uh, 
I, I don't I don't agree. I'm sorry, but um, 19 Democrats are not going to go along with any of this. Uh, generally, people don't like to impeach the president of their own party because it's also a way of impeaching themselves, basically their judgment, their association with that person. Uh, I, I do believe that there is a, a pretty good chance. I don't know how, what odds I'd put on it. I think there's a pretty good chance that the Democrats wind up running somebody other than Joe Biden next fall. I just think the way they will do that, the vehicle by which they will make that change, will not be impeachment. It has to be something that they can spin as positive and 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 statesmanlike and for the good of the country. He has to come out and be for it. So they can't can't be dragging him, kicking and screaming out the back door. I mean, it's all got to look like. Um, you know, copacetic, because we've, we've never done this before. And um, when they do it, if the Republican candidate and campaign has been completely devoted to Biden is bad, Biden is crazy, Biden is old, Biden is crooked, then they're going to be lost. They're not going to know what to do, because all of a sudden they're running against somebody else, and that somebody else will be a better politician with none of his baggage, Right, that that other that other person will be able to triangulate from both the Republicans and from the economy, et cetera, et cetera, and yet that other person will, in their own way, be much more dangerous because they will articulate and put a prettier face on this woke ideology. See, the one thing you have going for Biden is he can't; he, he's terrible at explaining and and selling the stuff the Democrats believe in. That's why they want to move on from him. So I hope Republicans realize they're running against an entire body of work and ideas, not against this guy. 210-599-5555. Thomas is on the radio. Thomas, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jack. Um, I'm with you. I'm actually completely surprised that so many people think that the left would go with that. Um, For me, if... You honestly think the left side of the aisle still believes in truth? You're either naive or willfully ignorant at this point. Like, we're living in a place where we've left the age of reason, and sophistry and rhetoric are all that matters. And we might even be able to say that to the right. But there's no way without something in it for them that they're going to do it. And the idea is that somehow impeachment is going to help them replace them. I'm not even convinced, honestly, that they're going to replace them. I know they want to. But... You have some strong candidates in their party right now that they don't even want to let primary Biden. So how do you get out of that kind of corner if you want to stop Kennedy from shining or Cornell West or Williamson or whoever? How do you do it? Do you wait until after the DNC has had their coronation ceremony and then just slip somebody else in? And how does that play with their voters who mm-hmm. are going to feel like they've been cheated? So I'm not mm-hmm. sure if even they can figure a way out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, those are good questions and the right questions. And I don't know the answers, um, but if you were going to do this, if you wanted to do this, you could figure all that out. I mean, you could you sure. could figure out, according to the bylaws of the, the Democratic National Committee, at what point you had to 
you know, make the switch and what the mechanism was with, like, convention voters and delegates and stuff like that. But I, I guess what I would just say, Thomas, is I don't want to, I'm not palming off your question. It's a really good question. These parties hire their nominees. We, the people, don't really choose them. So they, they will get to where they want to be and need to be with a candidate, it, maybe it will be Biden. I mean, maybe they'll just hold their breath and say, we, we got to get him across the finish line one more time. But if they need to make a switch and they want to, they can figure out a way to do it. Because I, I really don't think um, they're going to sit there and just settle like, oh, well, we don't like him, but the rules say we got to keep him. I don't, I don't see them doing that. Yeah. And, well, and by like the way, said, he drags them kidding. down. I mean, he, he could cost them their own seats and you know how politicians are if you get if you get in there in the way of their ambitions they're, they're practically homicidal so uh, i don't think they want to go down with him or go down with the ship just because it's his last campaign doesn't mean it's their last uh campaign so let's let's see what they come up with but i i think it'll be something and i appreciate your call i think that's a great you're asking exactly the right uh questions i'm going to play something for you here uh in a couple of minutes that illustrates what I mean about the the battlefield of ideas and normal. Because the more I think about it and have thought about it for a long time, even though we throw around words like conservative and liberal and Republican and Democratic, when you just talk to people, when you're just with people, when you're with your family, when you're with your friends and coworkers and stuff, people aren't holding little signs up, right? They aren't wearing little lapel buttons. You don't know them as ide ideologues. You know them as neighbors, as parents, as family, as the guy you went to high school with, whatever. And th there's increasingly a sense that our culture, just the water we're swimming in, is, is dirty. It's not right. We don't want our kids living in and swimming in this water. We don't want to be in it. We're being barraged with messaging that is weird. We're being told things are normal that we know are not or harmless that we know are not. The idea of fairness or equality has been distorted. It's not, the, it's not what most people understand to be fair or equal. The way politicians are talking about sex and race, the stuff they think it's okay for kids to learn or be exposed to. In fact, they, they don't just think it's okay, they think it's essential. A child can't get an education. A child is not educated without a drag queen. I'm telling you, those aren't 50-50 things. The vast majority of people think that's cray-cray. There's, there's something very wrong with that. And I'm going to play you something that I think illustrates this point. And um, that's why I think if, if I were advising Republicans or, or any conservative movement, it would be ideas, 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 not people, not personalities, ideas. Before I play this, I, I want to heavily wrap it in disclaimers, okay? Like, you, you don't hear me do this very often, but what we're about to play is... Uh, extreme content that is not suitable for kids if there are kids in the car, kids within hearing. It's not safe for work. 
it's um it's a Senate hearing about um the whole issue of uh books in public school libraries and the accusation that uh books are being banned versus the assertion of parental rights. I believe, I don't know how you feel, I, I believe that parents should be able to speak up and impart and express their values and how they want their children to be taught. And I don't think there is any need, mandate, justification uh, for teaching them basically pornography. The flip side of that is, well, Republicans are for banning and burning books, and they're, you know, uh, terrible people, and all, all children should have all books. So Senator John Kennedy decided to read. He had some uh, activists in front of him, LGBT activists. He decided to read from a couple of books, and that's what we're going to play for you. And I want to, again, be clear, this is extremely blunt, uh, and it's also very weird to hear... John Kennedy, of all people, from Louisiana, reading these books. But this is this is what I mean by most people don't find this normal or okay. Take it away, Senator Kennedy. Let's take two books that have been much discussed. Um, the first one is called... All boys aren't blue. And I will quote from it. I put some lube on and got him on his knees. And I began to slide into him from behind. I pulled out of him and kissed him while he masturbated. He asked me to turn over while he slipped a condom on himself. This was my ass. And I was struggling to imagine someone inside me. He got on top and slowly inserted himself into me. It was the worst pain I think I have ever felt in my life. Eventually, I felt a mix of pleasure with the pain. Close quote. All boys aren't blue. The second is a, a, another much discussed book. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's called Gender Queer. Okay. Let me read an excerpt from that. Quote, I got a new strap-on strap harness today. I can't wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite dildo perfectly. You're going to look so hot. I can't wait to have your in my mouth. I'm going to give you the blowjob of your life, then I want you inside of me, end quote. Now, Mr. Secretary, what are you asking us to do? Are you suggesting that only librarians should decide whether the two books that I just referenced should be available to kids? Is that what you're saying? No. Okay. Tell me what you're saying. Well, uh, first of all, th there's this... Don't give me a speech. Tell me what you're asking will, me to do. With all due respect, Senator, and uh, the words you spoke are disturbing, especially coming out of your mouth is very disturbing. But I would, I would also tell you that 
We're not advocating for kids to read porn, to Senator Booker's what point. What are you advocating for? We are advocating for parents, random parents, not to have the ability, under the guise of keeping kids safe, to try and challenge the world view of every single manner on these issues. You're getting conceptual game. I'm what not getting conceptual. Well, I'm yes, saying you that are. Yes, you are. Because you, you, I want to know what you're recommending. First of all, why is it disturbing? He says it's disturbing to hear those words, especially coming from you. If if it's disturbing for adults to read this to one another, wouldn't it obviously be inappropriate for kids to read? And you got to know that all of these discussions are not about whether the book should exist or be in print or be on Amazon or be at Barnes & Noble, or be in the you know San Antonio Public Library. This is about whether or not elementary and middle school kids should be reading or be assigned this kind of material. And we're not just arguing about whether or not it's okay if they want to read it. We're talking about whether or not they ought to read it, whether or not this is quote-unquote curriculum. You know, if your mom or dad had found the dirty magazines you had under your mattress, you wouldn't have been able to say, well, it's okay, that's curriculum. I don't think. But I find it, I find it interesting that the guy he's challenging, who's the Secretary of State for Illinois, I think, is disturbed, is uncomfortable. And I remember DeSantis did a news conference several months ago where he was excerpting the book Gender Queer, and the local television stations in Florida couldn't stream it. That makes the point better than any debate about this stuff possibly could. Here's my point, though. This is where I want to tie it back to what we were talking about. You can't tell me that most parents you know, probably all parents you know, are skeeved by this. You can't tell me that most people you know, maybe even all people you know, think there's something wrong with even having to discuss this. Of course kids should not hear it, see it, know it yet. When they're teenagers, they want to read a book, then it won't shock them. They'll already have heard all this stuff, the terms, the words. That's a different story. But the imprimatur of it being assigned or being in a school library or being aimed at young kids, that's just sick. We used to call that predatory behavior. Chris Hansen used to used to round people up on Dateline that did this stuff. And so that's what, to put a bow on it, that's what Republicans should run against. That's what Republicans should campaign against. That's what they should tap into. Way more than 50% of the country knows there's something wrong here. Way more than 50% of the country knows this isn't okay. This isn't normal. This isn't healthy. And this is an ideological corner the Democrats have chosen for themselves. They've, they've painted themselves into this corner. We know this doesn't belong in schools. We know sexualizing children is wrong. So run against the people that have to defend it. Make them defend it. And you'll win. And you'll win because even people that don't care about politics just instinctively know 
this ain't right. You don't have to be a member of any particular church or a member of a church at all. You don't have to have a particular ideology or framework for seeing the world. You don't have to have a label. Maybe you've never voted before. Maybe you don't follow the news super closely. Maybe you're even finding out for the first time this kind of stuff is even in books because you might be somebody that doesn't have children. But this is what we're trying to save the country from. And I know that's an extreme or dramatic turn of a phrase. But this is what we're fighting over. This is what the fight is about. It's not about, it's not about some um, dry, you know, rhetorical argument or uh, parliamentary, well, should uh, term limits be two years or four years? Or, no. It's not like the balanced budget amendment or something that people, most people are like, I don't care about that, or I don't even understand that. This is very clear, very stark, very relatable. Everybody has a, uh, a dog in this fight. All you're doing, you're not, you're not calling anybody names. You're not, you're not demonizing anybody's sexuality. You're saying this is what they want for our kids. This is what they call normal. Keep it up. Don't let them get away. They've chosen this position. You didn't choose it for them. Don't ever let them get away from it. And bring everybody into that discussion. And I, I think this is so much more important than Biden and what happens to him. It, they're not even comparable. What do you think? Did you watch that game last night? Can we talk about this? Um... I, you know, mostly I'm a college football watcher. I, I did watch the Patriots-Eagles game, obviously, because I'm a Patriots fan, on Sunday. And then I really wanted to see last night because, you know, the whole Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. And um, if, you're not a, if you're not an NFL fan, just here's the quick and dirty. Aaron Rodgers, future Hall of Fame NFL quarterback, I think 18 years, I think, in Green Bay. So all with one team, whole career. Um, has things kind of go sideways in Green Bay. He goes to the Jets. He is going to be the transformational player on this ne'er-do-well, long, unlucky Jets team. They build around him. They bring in a, an offensive coordinator that he's familiar with. They bring in... Uh, supporting players and cast members that he likes and wants, and they build they build out a way better team than they were last year to play around a way better quarterback. First series on the field. Oh, oh, wait, wait. Let me finish the setup. It's nine eleven. They're at the Meadowlands. They're across the river from New York City, the twin shafts of light. He runs onto the field with an enormous American flag in his hands. Crowd is, it's just a, a moment of love and excitement and anticipation. And guys in the sports media world that never show any emotion and always act dispassionate, they're, they're so hopeful that this is going to be the beginning of a New York Jets renaissance. And I've never been a Jets fan, and even I'm hoping you know, that it will be. First series on the field. 
what, three plays in. Routine tackle. I mean, it doesn't look like anything. He gets sacked. And something is wrong. He can't get up. And they help him off the field, and then they cart him into the tunnel. Torn Achilles tendon, done for the year. He's 39. When you're done for the year at 39, you, you might be done. All of a sudden, the Jets are playing with their backup quarterback, the guy everybody hated, the, the guy that, that, that the team quit on last year, a guy named Zach Wilson. Not a, not a terrible person, not a bad human being. Zach Wilson was a highly touted college quarterback and, and actually I think was the number two pick the year that he was drafted. I think he came out of Utah State. So n- not a scrub coming out of college, but, but not successful at the pro level. And the team basically just gave up on him, stopped playing for him last year. So now he has to play. And not just last night, he, he has to play. He's now their QB1. And the whole, I've never seen a sporting event where the whole mood, atmosphere just changed that quickly. I mean, you've seen games or you've watched games where there's a momentum shift, right, or your team's fortunes start to roll downhill or whatever, but this was like all at once, everything changed. By the way, they're now trying to say, a number of NFL players today are saying they think it was the artificial turf. Number of players on the Jets and even other teams are calling out the NFL, saying it's time for the NFL to take a stand against artificial turf. There's more injuries. The turf at MetLife Stadium has specifically been maligned in the past. Uh, We need real grass for all of our stadiums, says Jets cornerback DJ Reed in a post directed at the NFL. I don't know if that's true. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is an amazing athlete. But he has a 39-year-old body. And I can tell you, I'm not an amazing athlete. But in your 40s, and he's almost in his 40s, stuff just starts to go bad. You know, when you're young and you have a pain or a symptom, you go to the doctor and you know that something's wrong and they're going to tell you what it is and they're going to give you a medication or a procedure. When you get in your 40s and 50s, like I'm in my 50s, now, when you go to the doctor, they're like, that's just how it's going to be. <laughs> like there's, there's not a name for all your maladies and, and shortcomings. This, this, is just, this is how stuff works on you now. So I don't know. I, it, it may just be that that part on Aaron Rodgers was getting ready to go. The other thing that was weird about last night, so now... All the the excitement goes out of the building, all the enthusiasm. The Jets players look stunned. They win the game. A lot of people probably turn that game off. Did you turn it off, Don, or did you stay with it? Yeah, I did, this was like, for me, and I'll speak for myself, I, this was the most anticipated game yeah, of this season yeah. for for me, I was. You really, don't even watch a lot but, of NFL, and you wanted to watch this. Yes, even the yeah. moment I heard that Aaron Rodgers was going to be quarterback of the Jets, I I said, yeah. "Oh, 
this is going to be great. And I couldn't wait yeah. to watch this game last night. And then that happened. And uh, my you, phone you, rang you last about night. Disappointment. My, yeah, my phone rang last night. I, without even looking, I knew who it was. My mother Uh-oh. is the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan. Oh, I don't know if she loves her own sons <laughs> as much as she loves him. She loves him. She, I knew when this happened, I thought about calling her, but I thought, well, maybe mercifully she fell asleep or she doesn't know the game is Oh, no, she knew the game was on. My mother, who can't find anything on cable, <laughs> she could find ESPN. She's, she's calling me like I'm in the locker room with him. What's happening to him? So I'm not, I'm not there. I don't know. Well, is, is he all right? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> She was devastated. So if you turn the game off because you thought, well, the, the, the Jets are toast. I mean, I think their season is toast. Possibly. They actually won the game, but they didn't even win the game. Right. The only thing that was worse than what happened to Aaron Rodgers was what, what happened to Josh Allen. That was the other disappointment. I don't know, I don't know if he, something is up with him. There's even a theory that he may have an undiagnosed concussion. Josh Allen was a turnover machine last night. Mm-hmm. He was throwing passes like I would throw. I mean, into coverage, three guys around his receiver, no chance. The ball's floating in the air. It's tumbling in over. Didn't look like him at all. And so somehow, on a night when it, you know, there wasn't a lot of scoring and there was zero esprit de corps, enthusiasm, whatever. The Buffalo Bills couldn't even beat the New York Jets. And um, it, it, I, I'm just, I, I don't think I've ever seen a turnaround like that. I, I, the way that yeah. whole scenario changed in a moment. And I'll tell you one thing I think will be the fallout from this. You know, ever since Brady left the Patriots and went to Tampa Bay and immediately, you know, brought them a Super Bowl. I think there's been a seductive idea that you can, you know, extend these quarterbacks can play longer and you can extend and you can have that, that, you know, revenge season in the new city and all that. The Jets took the biggest gamble that's been taken in professional sports in a number of years and they lost it. Well, it was exciting. They lost the bet. Just the ideal I thought was exciting, but I, I just really thought last night's game was going to be this, uh, must-watch uh, mm-hmm. game of uh, the beginning of the season. Between, yeah. Because no. Buffalo has, you know, last year they had a great year. Uh, Josh Allen was playing well, and and he turned out to be a, a They're a, bust, a good team, and, and, and he is, I mean, I'm not, obviously the guy, the guy can play, yeah. um, but something is going on with him that's going to have to it's be possible. addressed. So I guess it's back to the isolation tank for uh, Aaron Rodgers, oh, I guess. God. Huh? Oh, man. Oh, man. And, and of course... The people that were down on him about his vaccine position and his politics and his patriotism now they're they're dancing on his Achilles tendon and and, and that's revolting and nauseating as well. So boy, what a talk about a what a weekend for New York football. The the Giants lose to the Cowboys forty to nothing, and they actually had the best weekend of any New York football team. I mean, that's really saying something. Uh, One more thing about the Aaron Rodgers story. So, of course, it happened last night, 
and um, everybody in the sports world is, you know, being asked about it. This morning, Tom Brady, retired NFL quarterback, posted a video of himself shooting hoops with the kids. And he's knocking them down from all over the place. It's, you know, swish, shot here, shot there, three-pointer, spin, turn, pop, hit. And I couldn't help but think, is he trying to tell us something here? Because if you're the New York Jets and you're in New York, right, it's not like any other place on earth, biggest sage in the world, what would be a bigger answer to last night than to call that guy? Hmm. I mean, because they're talking about free agents, who can they get? I mean, don't you, you at least have to call him, right? You, I, I mean, I don't know what he would do. He's forty-six, right? I don't know what he would do, but I think you got to call him. <laughs> just, just see what the you know. I don't want him to come back. I don't want to see him in a Jets uniform, but I mean, maybe he would do it. Because I don't know how else you, how do you get back to where you thought you were going? You know, some some guy that's on waivers isn't going to get everybody excited. So that's what I would do if I were them. I would just make that call. Have maybe they sh- already have. I don't know. Have you seen the Pepsi commercial? That has yes. uh, Dan Marino yes. and Jerry Rice, and they've yes. kind of gone out of retirement. I thought of that last <laughs> night. I thought, how ironic, because that just came out, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's kind of a new commercial, yeah. right? Should have been a All Super those Bowl older guys, yeah. commercial, basically. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what, why would Brady post this morning, of all mornings, why would he post video of himself shooting hoops? It feels like a message, doesn't it? And, and, I mean, he always had a friendly rivalry with Aaron Rodgers. And um, he's the only guy that you can kind of talk about in the same breath, right? I mean, like, they, some people will say one is greater than the other, but, I mean, they, they can be in the same conversation, certainly, right? Just just saying. If it happens, I don't want you to be surprised. Just, just, uh, just saying. Um, we got to play the Mike Lindell thing. Can we do that? You know the my pillow guy, Mike Lindell is the my pillow guy, but but he also is um, enmeshed in this Dominion Voting Systems lawsuit, and he was deposed the other day in the lawsuit, and this is the side of Mike Lindell you've never heard before. This is not the My Pillow guy we all think we know from television, and he's even been on our show. He was on our show once. Uh, he came unglued during pretty routine questioning. Take a listen to this, cut number three. Okay, and I'm not asking about the lumpy pillow calls. Uh, no, they're not lumpy pillows. That's not what they call on. Okay, that when you say lumpy pillows, now you're an asshole. You got that? You're an asshole Mike, is what you are. Mike, no, sorry. he's an asshole. No, he's an ambulance chasing asshole. That's what you are. Lumpy pillows, kiss my ass. 
Put that in your book. No, they, mm -hmm. they answer anything, any problem customer that wants to reach Mike Lindell. Those are the ones. I want to talk to Mike Lindell. I want to talk to Mike Lindell. They send them to here and they go, or they call about, um, maybe they didn't get their pillow on time because of uh, um, the FedEx or whatever. Well, we'll cover them even though it could be somebody else's fault. Nobody called because of a lumpy pillow. Mm. But good, good one, though. You done? Mm. Yeah, I'm done. What I'm saying Obviously, is, you don't have a my pillow too. <laughs> you don't, do you? What I'm saying is, Mr. Lindell... Asshole. I, oh, go ahead. No, uh, I'm pissed. I understand. Now, go. When you're saying what? Uh, well, none of us are at our best these days, I guess. So whatever you do... Don't don't call them about your pillow. If it's lumpy, just 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 live with it. Just just mash it down and roll over and go back to sleep. Big headline today: Kevin McCarthy gives the uh, impeachment wheel a spin. This is like preliminary, preliminary, very preliminary. We're just gonna direct, gonna begin the process. We're gonna have some meetings. I want to talk to my committee chairman. Will the Republicans actually impeach? President Biden, and this is something that may feel like it was a long time in the, you know, in the coming. Um, but I think this is really something that Kevin McCarthy and the establishment of the Republican Party don't want to do. So the first sort of newsy newsworthiness of this is that this was not where they saw themselves going at all. Um, and you remember when there was the whole struggle over whether or not McCarthy would have the votes and could be Speaker. This moment is what the Chip Roys and the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Matt Gates. this is what they were, you know, dr dragging out of him. The commitment to do this, to investigate Hunter, to uh, investigate the, the, you know, documents in the boxes behind the Corvette. This is not... Kevin McCarthy's happy place. And not to say I agree with him, but part of his reasoning is probably that while you can start impeachment, you won't finish impeachment. The Democrats did this with Trump. They started it knowing full well they wouldn't finish it. They never one time for one minute thought they had enough Republican votes to actually remove President Trump from office in an impeachment trial. And so for them, the value was going through the motions and being able to say we did it and we had the votes. And is that something that's worthwhile and valuable and important for the Republicans to do? I would argue that the best use of the Republicans' time right now whether it's in the House, in the Senate, on the campaign trail with their presidential candidates, is not to run against, campaign against, or obsess about Joe Biden or the Biden family. I would argue that the most important thing to do and focus on are issues, are values. Joe Biden's party has put him up to a a bunch of ideas that no normal person is okay with. Economics, energy, 
educating our children, race, rule of law, forgiving student loan debt, giving giving away our entire military arsenal in Afghanistan to a group of fanatics who are going to turn it on us. There is nobody who thinks this is normal. There is nobody who thinks this is cool. There are people who will pretend and give it lip service and because how they voted and blah, blah, blah. But, but I mean, you want to run on the idea that no right-thinking person, no normal American is okay with the direction of any of this. Because if you make this about Biden, they can switch him out. They can change him. They don't have to run him. But they do have to run on their own record. They do have to run on the stuff they've painted themselves into a corner on. They own issues like that book that we talked about last hour in the schools. This is their issue. They own the uh, woke ideology that has been so soundly rejected by consumers. Not voters, consumers. They have single-handedly awakened parents across this country of all political stripes to pay more attention about what's happening in the schools. And, and the more attention people pay, the less they like what they're seeing. That's what you run on. That's the focus. And that also happens to be not only more advantageous, that happens to be what actually matters. That's what's going to determine the fate of, you know, this country, civilization. We can't continue as a culture, as a civilization, if we think that sexualizing children and having drag queens read to them in school and having teachers regender kids secretly away from their parents and assign pornographic reading. We can't, that, that won't work. That's not supportable. That isn't just a different lifestyle or, well, you know, the neighbors have their thing and we have our thing. That's not what this is. And this isn't a call to make war against people that are different from you. We've always lived cheek to jowl with people that were different. We can do that. We're, 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 supple and and resilient enough to do that that's not an issue that's not people aren't looking for trouble most people but you can't have you, you you can't have a country you can't have a culture if there if there's no rule of law if there's no border if there's no respecting life and respecting childhood and the innocence of it and if the idea of the family unit i mean every 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 society is based on, as a building block, as a cornerstone, families, parents making decisions with and for their children. So to me, there's, there's existential stuff you, you, you want to compete on and talk about, and, and you want to reach out to people and go, look, you, you don't have to have an R after your name. You don't have to live in a red state. I know you care about kids. I know you care about rule of law. I know that you I know that you don't like what you're hearing and seeing and it doesn't seem normal. 
we will turn away from all this. We will get away from all this. You won't, you won't be hearing about this. We're putting an end to it. Join us to do that. We don't have to agree about everything. We don't have to agree about the size of the defense budget. We don't have to agree about everything. But we're, we're going to turn away from this madness. And I, I, to me, that's, that's a two-in-one, right? That's a winning strategy and the right thing to do. So impeachment is on the table, but I don't think they're going to do it. And in fact, I don't think the Democrats are that married to Joe Biden as their as their candidate. I would let them figure out what they're going to do, who their standard bearer is going to be. Because if they want to carry these messages forward, if they want to double down on wokeness, they're going to need a better, more articulate person, a person that sounds like he or she actually believes this stuff, which Biden never does, never does. I mean... He has never expressed any of this in a way that you thought he meant it. And they can do better, and they know they can. So I would leave that up to them. And I would be less worried about personalities and people and way more worried about ideas and having better ones. Like, what's a better idea for the books my kid reads in school. What's a better idea for how we handle who decides what happens in school? Should we get back to the idea that parents who also not only send their children but send their taxes should be making those decisions? That, that's how it always was. Is that, a, is that an idea people can get behind? Is that a mainstream enough idea? I think it is. I, I think if you look around the country, you see people in the Republican Party doing very, very well, running on the culture, running on the issues. I, I think about Ron DeSantis. I think about Glenn Youngkin and, and many others. They're, um, they're just getting it right, and they're not worried about personalities and who their opponent is and name-calling. It's not important. People are responding. Voters who are not Republican are saying, yeah, I, I, may, not, I may not donate money to this guy or put his yard sign in my yard, but I, yeah, I like what he's doing. That, that's what we need to do. We need more of that. You think the governor of New Mexico that's trying to ban guns for 30 days is reacting to gun violence as a woman? I have to say, um, everything about this just reeks of the stereotype that women are emotional, that women react emotionally, they play on emotions. You know, I've watched her interviewed now in a number of places. Uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham is her name. And she's basically saying, well, um, I, I, I just... Couldn't stand it anymore. Children were being shot, and um, I had to do something. And interviewers are saying to her, yeah, but this is unconstitutional. Yeah, but I had to do something bold. I just had to. I couldn't couldn't let those families down. It's it's totally emotional, zero-logic policy. 
I mean, she's even lost CNN. Here's a CNN interviewer asking her, are you sure about the constitutionality of this? Cut number six. But we also have, Governor, the Constitution of of New Mexico and the Constitution of the United States, and you're an attorney. Do you think you're on solid constitutional ground here? Well, um, we're going to see. I mean, look, I wouldn't do it if I didn't think I had the right. I have the right. Where is the right? Where is the right? In the state of New Mexico. Public health, it's a suspension. It's not a ban. And we'll see what all of these court actions do. The other way to look at this is she's a very, very savvy, cynical person. So now I'm going to give you the, the flip side or the other extreme of the explanation. She knows it's going to be uh, knocked down in court. It will be struck down. She'll get her knuckles wrapped. But she wants to be able to say to her base, no governor in America did what I did. I tried. No one else did it. No one's ever done it. You know, there could be a kind of crazy like a fox mentality here where um, people have already been conditioned through COVID to the idea that if you declare an emergency and you declare it convincingly, people will suspend their skepticism of what they know you don't actually have the power to do. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to favor and disfavor and what have you. Well, but it's an emergency. And if Michelle Luan Grisham has ambitions of running for the Senate or running for president or being on somebody's ticket in 2028, then she's put herself on the map. She's done something no other anti-gun politician has done. 210-599-5555. I am... I do think it's interesting that um, she said, well, uh, in an emergency, you can, you know, suspend. Basically, she's saying, in an emergency, the rules go out the window. The rule of law is malleable. Charles Cook wrote a column at National Review, why not arrest Governor Lujan Grisham? It would be as legitimate and legal as her decision to suspend gun rights in her state. Or why doesn't, since the example has been raised, it was even raised by the CNN interviewer, and we raised it yesterday on this show, why doesn't Greg Abbott or some conservative pro-life governor declare a 30-day ban on abortions? It's an emergency. Children are dying. The only victims of abortion are children. Now, I'm not advocating it. I'm just making the point that there's a real cynicism to this. The people that assign themselves powers and suspend rule of law or say that the Constitution is a living document, they always have limits that only they know about. You can never take what they've done, the example of how they've done it, and use it on an issue they care about. You're you're not allowed. That's not the same. The interviewer asks her about it. Well, what about abortion? She doesn't have an answer. 
This cuts both ways, by the way, because there are conservative politicians who are trying to do things about free speech and Internet companies and what have you, and they can tell you, well, my heart's in the right place, but they can't really get around the First Amendment. And we're living in a time now that could almost be described as the um, be careful what you wish for era, right? Like so many things that are happening right now are happening with kind of a, I would call it almost like a boomerang effect. Like if you can do this to my side, my side will do this to you. And people act like they don't think that's possible. People are acting like they don't think what goes around comes around. And we saw it with Trump, and we're seeing it with Biden, and we're, you know, in my estimation, the only thing that maybe negates that a little bit is that I think in general, Democrats, generally, I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing, I think Democrats are more audacious. So when they do stuff that you could argue, hey, what if the Republicans did that on, you know, back at you? The Democrats' assumption is, well, they won't. They wouldn't dare. So Luan Grisham is probably estimating that a Republican governor would not declare a 30-day emergency or moratorium on abortion because that's audacity that is more often found in the Democratic Party than in the Republican Party. What do you think about that? 210-599-5555. This is not an argument, by the way. I'm not making an argument for blowing up the Constitution. I'm pointing out who's doing what and why they're doing it. It's also really interesting to me that she's not getting away with this, even with the gun grabbers, like, the David Hoggs and the every town people, they're not good with this. Liberal Democrats that are totally anti-gun in Congress, in her own party, scolding her. Why would they do that, do you think? Why would Ted Lieu and David Hogg and people that have never met an anti-gun idea or slogan that they didn't love, why would they tell Governor Michelle that she's, gone too far. I can think of one reason. And that is that this is sort of the last um, I told you so that the Second Amendment NRA crowd has had. They've always said, watch, one day they will just unilaterally cross out your Second Amendment rights. This was like the one line that had not been crossed. This was the one warning that had never actually happened. So maybe the anti-gun people are getting nervous. Like, what if you push people too far? What What if we look like there isn't anything we won't do? There isn't any extreme to which we won't go. There isn't any heartstring we won't pluck. There isn't anything we won't manipulate emotionally. And this is a totally, she's making a totally emotional, childish pitch here. She's, she has zero talking points or, or, you know, 
constitutional language or justification. Nothing. I had to do something bold, she says. What if they're afraid that this wakes people up or activates people? Because I don't think they've suddenly had an attack of principles, but I wonder if she kind of stepped over a line that they've been purposely staying on the right side of. What do you think? 210-599-5555. Results on the JR poll coming up. I got to play this for you. This is the most inspiring thing I think you're going to hear all day today. Um, well, I guess I don't, I don't know what kind of a day you've had. Maybe, maybe not, but for me it was. This, this was a beautiful uh, thing. Um, and I almost don't want to even tell you who it is. I just want to play it, but I, I think it needs to be set up. So don't set your mind against it when I tell you that it's a professional athlete. Just keep an open mind when I tell you that this is a a linebacker for the New Orleans Saints, Demario Davis, and he comes before the microphones after the game on Sunday, the Saints beat the Titans. And, you know, players will typically talk about what they did in the game or what have you. But Demario Davis has his eyes on something else. His mind, his heart is on something else. And he just goes with that and holds these sports reporters and you and me in the palm of his hand. Take a listen to this. Uh, I started to realize something. Um, man, we play this game on Sundays, and it's really the Lord's Day. And when the day we should be worshiping the Lord, a lot of times players are getting worshiped, and we get to go on this ball field. So since so many of us didn't get to go to church today, I have a word that I want to share. I know this is a little untraditional, so like I said, buckle up. Uh, Revelations 3.20 says, See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and eat with him and he with me. I want to tell you all about a knock that I heard this week. A lot of people don't know this, but on Friday, my daughter, she's four years old, she had her third... um, epilepsy seizure attack. It's my same daughter who uh, survived retinoblastoma. Uh, she's been totally clear to that, but she had her, her third um, seizure, and it's been almost two years. She was uh, about a month away. If she would have had no seizures for one more month, then she would have been off the medicine, but now we have to start that clock all the way over. It was on Friday when we was, a bunch of kids were over the house and she was playing, and I noticed something was off, um, and I told her mom I thought she was having a seizure. Her mom is pretty good. She, she saw it, my wife, and we took her in her room, didn't want to cause a scene, and she started to foam at the mouth, and uh, it was worse, her worst seizure. For 30 minutes, um, she seized. Um, she wouldn't come, and we had to call the uh, paramedics. They came, and so over the course of time, it ended up being a total of 30 minutes. They got her in. My wife got in the paramedics with her. I got behind them driving. Um, you can imagine all the thoughts that's racing through your mind. The last sight you see of your daughter is she's totally out of it. Um, got to the hospital, and my wife told me that my daughter stopped breathing in the car twice. 
Um, so I'm, of course, praying. We get to the hospital. They put, give her a bunch of medicine. They should see the stop. She's laying there. And at this point, if she's seized for 30 minutes, you, 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 you start to fear there could be development issues that could mess with her brain. Um, you know, she stopped breathing. If there was no oxygen going to her brain, you know, you're starting to think about her speech be slurred or anything um, or worse. So we prayed and we prayed and she had medicine and, and my wife and I had to stay overnight at the hospital. And in the middle of the night, probably about three o'clock, I heard a knock. And the knock, the knock was my daughter. I prayed for her. I said, God, let this just be an attack from the enemy that's just trying to be a distraction and let him have overplayed his hand and my daughter come back stronger than before. When I heard my daughter talk in the middle of the night, and my daughter, she doesn't have any develop, development issues, praise God. She doesn't have any slurred speech, you know, prior to this. She woke up talking clearer than she was talking before. Now, anyone who deals with epilepsy knows that it takes a little a few days for them to come back. You know, they usually can get back to normal wherever they were, um, but it takes a couple of days. They're groggy. It's a lot because what their body is like, it's like the TV just static in your brain. She was talking clearer than before. And it was 3 o'clock, and we heard her talk, and we let her talk for about 20 minutes. And we said, hey, baby, it's, it's, it's nighttime. Let's go back to sleep. You know, and I just prayed. I started saying, praise God, praise God. The next morning when she got up, my daughter was so sharp. She was able to talk to her, me and her mom. I mean, clear conversation. She's sharp for a four-year-old. No stuttering. All her words clear. And my daughter, like I said, my daughter is already sharp. She was sharper than before. And if any of, if any of you were able to have a conversation with my daughter, you wouldn't know anything had ever happened. So we had a birthday party for my seven-year-old daughter that day. She got to be released from the hospital, and she came back home. And it was as if nothing was happening. She was playing with the kids the day before. And she had the worst seizure that she had ever had. And the next day, she's back out there playing with the kids. Now, of course, we can't let her get overstimulated. We have to keep bringing her in, we have to keep cooling her down, can't let her do too much just because of protocol. But when I tell you uh, I, I got a chance to see, hear a knock from God, and what I want to share is we get to play this game, and it's great. And there's so many amazing things that happen in that game, and everybody wants to hear about them. But when we could lead this game, we go back to being regular people. And regular people are living life. And people are waiting for a knock. And the word says who Jesus is, he's knocking at the door. All you got to do is get up. And so on the way, man, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm praying. And I'm trusting. And I'm believing. And I'm asking for my daughter to make it through. I'm asking that she's better than before. And God gave me just what I asked for plus some. I was blown away. And at that point, I knew, well, I, the game is already, it's the game is going to take care of itself. My, my knock had already been, been answered. And I just want people to know, like, if you got stuff going on in your life, lay it before the Lord. Lay it before the Lord and trust. And be expecting of a knock. Because the word says what you have to do is you have to get up and open the door. He's not going to open the door for you. He's going to knock. But you have to be listening and waiting for the knock. And when you see it, you have to get up and open the door. And your blessing is going to be there. Now, I'm going to be here to talk about football next week. I wish y'all well. Happy Sunday, and praise God. Thank y'all. I love that. I needed to hear that. I needed to hear it today. I don't know about you, but I needed to hear that. Demario Davis, listen for your knock. On the JR poll, uh, is it a handshake or is it a fist bump for you? I like them both. Different situations. I'm good with both. But it wasn't even close on the JR poll. The results, 91% 
say handshake, 9% fist bump. New poll question tomorrow. We get started live at 4. Find it anytime at KTSA.com. Um, about 20 years ago, there was a song that came out that was one of those earworm songs. Uh, it was by a band called Fountains of Wayne. It was Stacy's Mom. And you couldn't get away from it at the time. It was everywhere, and it was catchy, and it got stuck in your head. This comedian did a takeoff of that song just very recently. And so I'm going to warn you, first of all, it's going to get stuck in your head. Secondly, it's going to remind you of that song. And thirdly, it's going to ask the questions we all should have been asking when we heard that song, when we saw that video. This is this is his version of Stacy's mom. Take a listen to this. I have so many questions now for Stacy's mom. <laughs> Stacy's mom, like, why did she come out with just a towel on? Towel on. When she knew that kid was gonna mow her grass. Mow her grass. Stacy's mom is like the people Chris Hansen would I'll love that. All right. Um, read about a guy today, 23-year-old Kevin Schmidt is his name. Um, seems like a nice guy. Looks pretty Looks pretty normal in the picture that went with the article. Um, he has been stockpiling incandescent light bulbs, the kind that they stopped selling last month. And... Um, he believes he has a lifetime supply of them. He believes, uh, even as young as he is, that with his stockpile of nearly 4,000 incandescent light bulbs, he will never have to buy the uh, more expensive uh, LED ones, which he just doesn't like. He's part of a Facebook group called Antique Incandescent Lamp Light Bulb Collectors, which I am not a member of, but knowing that that exists makes me feel way less nerdy than I otherwise would. Um, but the group is for light bulb enthusiasts. <laughs> do you have a favorite light bulb model or favorite wattage? I guess people do. I shouldn't laugh. Hey, why not? And um, some of them collect vintage light bulbs made in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. Others are just enthusiasts for incandescent, like Kevin here. Uh, but Kevin did not want to switch. He disagrees philosophically with the government uh, mandating uh, what kind of light bulbs you can have. So he spent entire paychecks to buy up all the light bulbs he could get. He bought them in stores. He bought them on Facebook, on Craigslist, on eBay, any place and anywhere he could get them before they were taken off the shelves. And he's set for life. And ladies, he's single. So get with Kevin. See you back here tomorrow live at 4.